0: Chapter 4, verse 18. And go ahead, once somebody in the church Bible gets to, to chapter 4, just shout out what page this is on. 456, Matthew 4. This is, this is how Matthew records how Peter became a disciple. Check this out. Verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he happened to see two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting nets into the lake, and this next observation is, the, is like these are words that don't need to be in the Bible. For they were fishermen, it's like for they were carpenters. No, they were fishermen. So they're casting their nets, and the like for they were fishermen, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Just that simple. That's it. And, then, and, and it's like literally like, like Jesus is walking. Hey, guys, you want to follow me? Sure, Dad, have fun storming the castle. I'm following this dude. What's your name again? Oh, Jesus. That's kind of like, like, like if you don't know any other background, it's like, again, you might be a person outside outside of faith or like on the edge of faith looking at people inside of faith and be like, it must be nice. It must be nice to just be so confident that you can just follow Jesus, you can just do, you can just leave everything there and just follow him, and maybe you're even a little jealous, but maybe you're not, maybe some, sometimes on the edge of faith, we feel like you're a fool, you're an idiot, like, because that, that's why you're following Jesus, he just asked you, well, until Jesus asks me, I'll be over here, you know what I mean? But see, this, that, that's Matthew. What's, what's great is, fortunately, in Luke, we get a lot more details. And we get to see, and I, what I love about uh, Luke, and I'm calling this sermon Baby Steps, is we get to see a, a few of the baby steps that this man Peter, and if you grew up in church, you know Peter's kind of a big deal. And see, this is why this is so important. We—I grew up in church, and like I grew up hearing these stories. We even did plays on the life of Jesus growing up. And and my idea of the disciples was very esteemed. It was very—they were—they were like they—they they were the dudes. They were the guys, the men and women who followed Christ. They're the, the reason we get to read this. Like there was just—and—and and they were—they're on this pedestal. They're on this echelon of faith that's like. I'm striving for, but I'm not quite there yet. Maybe I never will be. And it, it, it's, it's, you can put them on a pedestal. And if you grew up Catholic, man, this is it's like next level. Because these are the saints. These are the apostles. They have this special, uh, the special dubbing within the, the Catholic church, right? But the reality is, and the beautiful thing is, again, we have such a resource in the book that you're holding, is the fact is that you start to open up the scriptures and you start to see, they were just men. They were just women. They didn't have it all figured out. They, they, they doubted sometimes. And you can see that there's a. It's not just that Jesus walked by one day and that Peter followed and the rest is history. And now he's famous. There's more to the story and Luke gives us that. Luke confirms Matthew's story by giving us some of the backstory and we're gonna look in Luke chapter five. And this is where we're gonna land today and, and, and really focus. Luke chapter five, so it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke. That's two, two books over. Before we get into chapter five, in chapter four, we, 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 we recognize through the book of Luke that there was actually one more touch point before Peter be decided to follow Jesus. He actually had seen Jesus do something incredible he had actually seen Jesus heal his mother-in-law. So, so he, it, at this point in time, Jesus has been healing people everywhere for probably a few months. And word, like Peter undoubtedly probably knew of Jesus before Jesus came into that area, came into town. He knew that people was, were healing him. And not only did he know it because he'd heard it, but in chapter 4, he actually saw it firsthand. And he's not following Jesus yet. In chapter 5, he's still a fisherman. It goes like this. Chapter 5 goes like this, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gethsemane, and again, here's here's here, Ma- Matthew called it the lake of Galilee, and, and Luke calls it the lake of Gethsemane, same lake, two different names, two different sides of the, you know, two different perspectives. For whatever reason, Luke uses this. Somebody probably wrote something about that sometime. I don't know what it is lake of December, the 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 people were crowding around him and listening to the word of god so we already have more context in this story than we did in matthews jesus was just walking by and you know he did walk by but he also stopped and he taught and here's something i want to point out and and and, and we'll really dig into the word here in a second but like I want to point out something, that the people were crowding around him, and they were listening to the word of God. They weren't following him. These weren't all disciples. It wasn't crowding around. These were disciples. Jesus, what are we going to do for you today? They're still figuring it out. They're taking their own baby steps. And this is what I want to point out, is, is this. Faith always begins with information. I'll put that one up. Faith always, Christian faith always begins with information. Oh, I don't have that one? Okay, you guys got it. Faith, I don't care what faith, let me say this. Good faith always begins with information. Faith that begins with just believe, child, is dangerous faith. You know, child, you know, like if you grew up and you might have grown up in a home where it was a Christian home and you weren't allowed to ask questions about whatever, you know, like those little kids, like I have kids now. And the questions they ask about the Bible and Jesus and how did this, and it's like, man, that's, that's a good point. Keep thinking about that. Keep digging on that. Because faith that begins with, you know what, you just need to shut up and just believe, that's not a strong faith. That's a very dangerous faith. Go on to Netflix, and there's a myriad of documentaries about that kind of faith right now. And half of them are Christian. And, and I'll, I'll go as far as to say this. When it comes to religion, if you can't question that your religion, you should probably leave that religion. I know that's weird for a pastor to say, but like, and this is Christian faiths included. If you can't question it, you should probably leave it, at least that church. Because if you can't because faith faith starts with information. Jesus was teaching them the word of God. And guess what? They didn't get it that day. And they didn't get it the next day. You'll see this if you read the gospels. People are constantly scratching their heads. Why? I mean, like, the part, part of us would believe, like, if, we, if I could sit down face-to-face with Jesus and have him explain a few things, I think I'd be fine. And the reality is, I don't think he would. Because Jesus did, and people still had questions. Because that's what faith, faith always starts with inquiry. It starts with, look at this. And then you can follow. Try following him, and then maybe someday, maybe someday you'll believe. There's a story that I have. I can't stay away from it. I've told it, like, two or three times the last couple of weeks. My buddy Mike Terpstra is one of the funniest guys I know, and he was uh, like a camp counselor director in this camp in, in, in Central Coast, California, which is a very granola, very hippie area, Santa Cruz, and um, he, was, he was like an outdoor lab instructor. He was a guy who took kids, so kids would be shipped to that camp during the school year, so that in the summer, they did like the Bible camp thing, and in the fall and the winter, they did like school things, and he would te- te- take them on like nature hikes, and teach them the science of this and that. And and in this area, right next to this camp, there was this guy who had, I kid you not, a Bigfoot museum, a Yeti museum dedicated to you know the, the lore and, and the reality of Bigfoot. This man believed in Bigfoot. And, and Mike, just being a funny guy, we go hang out with this guy. Like, hey, tell me, what, what are you about? Tell me, okay, Yeti, you don't say, you know, that kind of stuff. And he was polite and, and that kind of stuff. So one you know, one day, he was taking a group of kids out on this nature hike, and he hikes this trail every day. And on the trail, just off the trail, was a, a dead deer that had been killed, dragged off the trail, and then buried, covered with you know, debris and that kind of stuff leaves pine needles. Now, if you don't know this, that is uh, that is a very classic mountain lion move. Bears don't do that, m- but mountain lions tend to do that. Like, hey, this is mine. I'm going to hide it. Maybe they h- stay in the area and defend it from smaller predators, but that's what they do. So Mike, Mike, I don't know why Mike did this, but Mike decided after that, that day, he's like, I'm going to go talk to the Yeti guy, see what he thinks about this. So Mike, goes back to the Yeti guy, and and he's like, hey, you know, I was on this hot nature hike with my students the other day, and I saw this. And the guy's like, hold on one second. And the guy walks over to a map, and on the map is all of these pin drops. And it's like, I can't remember if it was like the map of California or the United States or like a local map, or it must have been something like zoomed in a little bit. And on that, all those pin drops were... Yeti sightings or Yeti evi- evidence for Yeti. Okay? Some of you know where I'm going with this. And the guy says, he, he, Mike says, I found this dead deer. And the guy pulls out a pin out of his drawer and he says, Okay, where's your camp exactly? And he goes and puts a pin where the camp is for the Yeti sighting. Faith that does not begin with information looks like that. And that's ridiculous. We, we need to, uh, the, make, the reason I'm making such a, a big thing of this is I have good friends that are not believers. The reason they're not believers is because there's a lot of people out there with a Yeti board putting pins on it for Jesus. They're like, oh, yeah, no, I totally, but uh, you wouldn't believe. I was, it, it was Black Friday, and I was driving around in the shopping mall, and wouldn't you know it, right as I was turning the corner, right in the front row, pulled out and i got a parking spot to go shopping that day praise jesus jesus is with me and if you're the type of person where that kind of that kind of thing doesn't cut it you're in a good place today you're in a good place i, I have a, a good friend who, who went to young life with us throughout his high school career and is not a does not believe in jesus christ grew up in a family that was kind of rough like it was a christian family it was very hard on him and we were at a camp once, and a kid, you know, we, they do this thing in a Young Life camp where they, they send kids out and, and look under the stars and just kind of listen. It's, it's actually, this, it's kind of the pinnacle of the camp, and, and, and I've, I've all sorts of different kids, kids that are believers, kids that are not, they're like, that was, that was a cool experience, just to be out under the stars for 10 or 15 minutes by myself. Come back from this, and, and I know that my friend, my friend was there at camp, and, and you know, I was kind of interested to see what his experience was because I know he doesn't follow Jesus. Another kid at the camp's like, oh, my God, you know, we, we, we're, having, we're talking, and he's like, oh, my gosh, you would not believe it. I, I, you know, I was praying, and I was just like, you know, Jesus, I believe in you, but, you know, God, give me a sign that you're real. And right as I prayed that prayer, this shooting star went across the sky. And you could tell for that kid, that was this really cool, authentic experience that meant a lot to him. Afterwards, fast forward like an hour afterwards, I'm talking with my friend who's not a believer. And I'm, I'm dying to know what's going on in his head. And he's like, I wish I could get a shooting star. And I started to laugh because I know this kid. He's a skeptic. And I was like, no, you don't. That wouldn't work for you at all. He's like, you're right. That wouldn't be enough. And, and we say this all the time, but there, there, we be, I believe that there's room for the, at the table of faith for doubt and for skeptics and for people who are like, Shooting stars, I need a little bit more than that. And if that's you, stick with this because Peter needed a little more too as well. So, so all I'm saying is like faith is a journey. It starts with looking, seeing, you know, come and see. And then maybe you follow a little bit. And then eventually you might say, hey, I actually, I might believe in this. So Jesus is teaching people. And let's, let's keep reading. Verse 2, Matthew chapter, or Luke 5, 2. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. And, and just as a, as a kind of a background, fishermen in, in, in this region of the world, I think it's still practiced this way, go out in boats at night to fish. If you're fishing with a net, I don't, I'm, a, I'm a huge fisherman. I don't fish at night very much. I've never had good luck with it. But if you're fishing with a net, fish can see that net in the daylight, and they'd be like, pfft and swim around it. But at night, they can't see it as well, and they might swim into it. And you got to think, this isn't like little tiny nylon mesh. This is like things, reeds or, you know, things that they would woven together from nature, right? So they're out there cleaning their nets. They've been fishing all night. It's morning. They're out. They're done for the day. They've put in their 8, 10, 12-hour day. They're probably tired. They've been up all night. He, he got it. Um, so he sees, he sees he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing the nuts. He doesn't ask for permission. He just gets into one of them, the boats, the one belonging to Simon, the one he just healed recently, his mother in law, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Hey, I'm, get, I'm getting pressed back here. There's a crowd everywhere Jesus went, there was a crowd. Simon, can you do me a solid? Can I use your boat? you know, I'm going to go 10, 15 yards offshore. This is kind of cool. It's like a little amphitheater. Like, it's like this cool scene that I'm sure people have painted in the past. You know, it's kind of like this outdoor amphitheater thing that Jesus slapped together. He asked him to put all for shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Next, what happens is is Jesus is about to in you know like he teaches and he's about to give people he's going to specifically Simon an opportunity to engage an invitation to do something and it's not like raise your hand if you believe in me you know if you want to follow me he, he it's baby steps look at this baby step he gives him verse 4 when he had finished speaking he said to Simon hey would you put out into deep water and let the nets down for a catch and again I just explained to you why this would be a little absurd. It's daytime. The fish can see it coming. Like, and, and, but Simon, Simon's, he's kind. Simon, Simon has respect for Jesus, so you can see it in his response. He's like let down for the catchment of the night. Simon answered, Master, you know, this is, this, hey, hey, Master, like, like I know you, a, enough about you to know that you're up here and I'm down here, so I'm going to call you Master, Master. No offense, but we've been working hard all night and haven't caught anything. It's been a kind of a rough night. It's been a bummer of a day. I'm going to lose money today. He's a a commercial fisherman. This is what he does for a living. I'm not going to make any money today. And just so you know, Jesus, if I could fill in the blank a little bit, like what what Peter's trying to get at is like, um, and not only that uh, insult to injury, there's a lot of people around here. I'm already feeling bad about myself because I didn't catch any fish. Now you're asking me to catch more non, no fish publicly? I don't I, Jesus, I'm sure. And by the way, Jesus, you're a carpenter. Yes, you're a carpenter. You're like, I'm not going to tell you about carpentry. Trust me, on fishing. So he has this choice. And this is what's so beautiful. Peter, in this moment, Jesus doesn't say, hey, follow me. He doesn't say, hey, do you believe I'm the son of God? He doesn't say anything like that. No theological statements. Hey, all he's asking is this little baby step. Would you be willing to trust me enough to do something a little bit outrageous? It might cost you a little bit. It's going to cost you some sleep. You know, and and time is money. For a small businessman, time is money. It's going to cost you a little bit of that. It's gonna cost you your reputation a little bit because if you don't catch in front of you, you know, like there's all of those elements. And Peter has a decision to make. Does he take the baby step? And what I love about this, he says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything but, next slide, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And friends, if I could just pause for a second here. And just point out something. Peter has no idea what lays on the other side of this simple little decision to follow Jesus. He has no idea that he would become Peter. In fact, he's not even Peter. I keep saying Peter. Simon has no idea that someone in, 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 the, in the next year or so, maybe two years from this point, Jesus would sit him down and say, you are no longer Simon. You are Peter the Rock. And on that rock, I'm going to build something huge. Uh, Using you and your buddies, you're going to do amazing things. That's the Peter you know if you grew up in church. Let's rewind. Simon is here. It's not Peter yet. And he has no idea what hangs in the balance of a, a small decision. That's going to cost him a little bit. might cost him his reputation, cost him some time. But he has no idea what's on the other side of that decision. Pause. What's that decision for you? What's that decision for you? What baby step might Jesus be asking you to take? And I'm talking to everybody, whether you believe in Jesus, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. If you followed him your whole life, what step? And maybe it's not a baby step. Maybe it's, hey, you've been following me for a long time. We've done the baby step things. This next thing, it's a leap. What waits on the other side of that leap? And the answer is, we don't know. Peter didn't know. And and, and this is the thing, this is what I'm trying to bring out, is we don't know what's on the other side of following Jesus in those baby steps. We are not privy to that information. That's what drives some of us nuts. It's one of the most frustrating things about faith is the fact we don't know. We have no idea if it'll pan out. We just know it's scary. And so we freeze sometimes. We have no idea what hangs in the balance to us saying yes to whatever God is asking us to do right now. That's why it's called faith. That's why it's called faith. Hey, Peter, you've seen I healed your, your mother-in-law. Would you try this? Would you trust me enough to do this? Another baby step. Another baby step. He takes the baby step, and I'm so glad he did because everything changes. Go ahead. Next slide. When they had done so, so they, they push out from the bank because it's probably shallower where they're at. They push out from the bank. They put down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. That's a lot of fish, like falling apart. So they signaled to their partners, James and John, who were in another boat, came to help them. And they came, and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And Peter said this. Next slide. Peter saw this, and he said, we're rich. And he immediately offered Jesus a three-year contract, giving him 30% of all the profits, and opened up a new commercial fishing operation called p and Big Catch. New to the Lake Galilee, you're laughing now. You need to. By the way, this is to, this is a lesson. This is a cheap lesson. You need to bring your Bibles to church. I can put whatever whatever crap I want up there, and you guys would believe it if I. You know what I mean? Like, like seriously. That was, what that was. What would your response be? Because literally, this is a fortune of fish. Maybe not like he never has to work again, but like, like maybe for the next couple of months, I don't have to do anything. Or maybe now with that money, I can buy another boat or more nets and we can, we can expand the operation. Peter wasn't thinking about fish. He wasn't thinking about how this could expand and get bigger. Let's look at what Peter saw what Peter actually said. This, I promise you, using your Bible, you can read it next right there. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. It, it's not master anymore. This is this is actually quite huge. He went from master, which is a, a very a highly regarded, it's a respectful response. It'd be like saying, Sir, yes, sir, no, sir. He says, Kyrios, Lord. Jesus, he took a baby step towards Jesus. And this is what happens. You take enough baby steps towards Jesus, and all of a sudden you're like, all right, I'll I'll do it. I guess that was cool. I'll do another one. All right, I'll read my Bible. I'll do another one. And all of a sudden you do one one day, and you're no longer like this. You're like this. It's right here. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, you need to leave now. I'm a sinner. I'm not a good man. Like there's these rabbis and they're calling all these people to follow them and, 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 and that's never been me. You should leave now before I disappoint you. That's the kind of stuff. But again, remember what we talked about right at the beginning. Being a sinner doesn't disqualify you. Being an, you know, like, like Peter's like, I, I didn't believe, I didn't believe you were you, you, you until, like, even, you healed my mother. I've seen so much, and I didn't believe that, and now I finally do. Please leave. Go away. For me, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Everybody around is just flabbergasted. What just happened? Peter hits his knees. Next slide. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. Which is something he would say to his disciples quite often, a lot of times on the water. You know, consistent, you know, if you, don't get into a boat with Jesus. Just don't. I mean, it's. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats up on shore and catch this. They left everything. Mom, dad, you take care of this. Well, you know, because it's, it's family businesses. It's small businesses. It's a, the ancient world. There was somebody else that would tidy up the nets. There's some, somebody else that would tender you know, the, and get the money for the fish and clean the fish, but I have to go. And see, here's the thing. It, again, Matthew, it seems so, yeah, sure. Here, everybody around him was like, go. You ha-, he just said, follow you. you I don't know where that leads, but you have to follow this man. And if you're a person of faith, maybe you've experienced that. You've gotten to the point where you've taken those baby steps and then there's just something that happens. Because faith starts with information. And Jesus is perfectly fine with that. In fact, it's better that way than us just, you know, I just believe. I just believe. That's dangerous, right? There's a comes a time in your life where you're just like, what? Well, I've seen enough. I've seen I, I've seen you, Lord. I've experienced you. You and I, like, I've, I've, I've been, I've, I've, some baby steps, and have stepped out in faith. And your faith, my faith, has intersected with your faithfulness in a way that's changed everything. And he followed them. Isn't that a cool story? Isn't it good to just slow down sometimes and read what's really happened? They left everything, and I'd like to believe that I would too, and I'd like to believe that you would as well. Now, timeout. Again, every time, just because I know there's some of us would be like, "Hey, it must be nice. Yeah, if I had this this catch of fish, like just what, what you know. Maybe it's not. Maybe you don't want to catch a fish at your house. Maybe you want like, yeah, something else. But like whatever it is for you, if, if God, you know, maybe you've said if God would do this, you know, I, I would I would follow Him. You know, if faith starts with, with information, Josh, I don't have that information. That, that's fair. And if Peter was here, he'd be, he would time out your timeout. He'd be like, whoa. Oh. <coughs> Seriously? That's what you're impressed with? You want a fish trick? Like, that's what he did for me. And, and, and that's, yeah, I guess that's cool and all. Like, if Peter was here, he'd be like, yeah, I guess it kind of started there. But I haven't thought about that in a while because. What Jesus really did, He didn't do just for me. He did it for you. He did it for you as well. He did it. In fact, we turn to Second Peter, chapter two. I was thinking about putting this. I, I want to read this, it's, so it's not on the slides. Second Peter, chapter two, it's in, towards the end of the Bible. If you get there in the in the um, church Bibles, first First Peter, First Peter, chapter two. It's on 569 in the church Bibles Peter 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 would say this he's like okay okay you want a fish trick didn't you get my letter it, to which he means like like he, there's two letters that he wrote, in the Bible. He didn't know he was writing them to us when he wrote them. He was writing them to friends. And those friends thought they were so precious and so important. They meticulously copied them down. Like name, you know, username, password protected. Like make sure this gets to where this needs to go because this is so important what Peter said. And now we get to read it today. And he's like, did you get my letter? Jesus did so much more than just a fish trick. In fact, here's the thing. After Jesus died and rose from the dead, the whole book of Acts, Peter's like the main character for half of it. Guess what? They don't talk about. They never talk about fish. He writes two letters, and he's not like, "Hey, you know what, guys? I just want to recall. Just, I'm feeling nostalgic today." There's that one day I was walking, you know, I was, I was fishing, and fishing was bad. No, that's not what's in the letter. What they what they went out into the world talking about was not the fact that guy the guy healed people. And they caught fish when he was around. I think that'd be cool, but that's, you know. Peter talks about this. Go to verse 23, chapter 223. He's talking about Jesus on the cross right now. And he says this, when they hurled their insults at him. Peter's like, you want to know, you don't want to know what's really striking. Let's not talk about fish. Let's talk about Jesus on the cross. When they hurled insults at him, verse 23, he did not retaliate. Jesus didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. It, which is, I mean, this is this is the cross. This is the the Romans perfecting pain. And on the cross, people would yell, they were dying, and they would they knew they were dying for the next few hours. They were bitter and they were screaming in, in pain and screaming. Insult, angrily at people. We see that in the, in the account of Jesus. Like, one thief doesn't even know Jesus, yells at him, like, hey, get us off of here. If you're, you know, like, he starts, uh, this is what people do on the cross. Peter says, not Jesus. Verse 23, he says, when they hurled insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judged who, who judges justly. This was Jesus' path of trusting God. It took him to the cross. And then he goes on to say, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. He's like, guys, I know this is hard to explain because lots of people have been crucified. And it wasn't that meaningful. When this guy was crucified, something happened this is the best we can we can make sense of it. Yeah, it was cool that he healed people. It was cool to watch him walk on water. i saw him do a ton of things. You can take all of that away. Because what he did on the cross is is was everything else was important for me to see Peter would say. But when you if, if, if what, he, uh, what what he did on the cross, he did for you and for me and you. That's what Peter would say. He bore He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we've been made healed. So Peter would say, now time out a second. You want Jesus to do something for you? I think if Peter was here, he'd legitimately say, yeah, keep praying for Jesus to do those things. But if you got all of them, if all of us got all of them, it would not, it would not matter one iota. It, you know, like if, you, if he wrote in the sky, I'm real. Oh, there it is. I need That's what I needed. If he healed you, he fixed your brain, he fixed your body. If, if he brought your son or daughter back. You know, all of those things that maybe you've prayed for, whatever it is for you, you've prayed for that, and you like, God, if you do this, I, I would believe. In fact, not only would I believe, I would give my life for you. I would be resigned, and here's the thing. I, I, maybe, maybe we we would. That's the thing. is I, I don't know if God's all that motivated, because you see it in Scripture all the time. Jesus is like, he does all these miracles, and they're like, hmm, that's nice. Can you do some more? And we can scoff at that, or we can say, you know what, I might be in that crowd too. If my body was healed, I, I might still doubt. But what if he did something much greater than What we'd asked for to prove. What if if whatever we'd ask him to do would be nothing compared to what he's already done? By bearing our sin on the cross so that we don't have to be ashamed anymore. We don't have to hide our secrets anymore. We don't have to, yeah, we might still struggle with this, this thing that we don't like, but that doesn't define us anymore. What if that reality washed over us in such a way? What might happen? It, Peter would say if we get to walk in righteousness, which I take to I mean we get to live life fearlessly. Isn't that way better than just you know, something written in the sky or I just prayed and I got this, this bubbly feeling in me and I knew it was real? Those things are good. Those things, like I, I know lots of those stories. I know Jesus shows up in people's lives all the time. I pray for that. But here's the, here's the path of faith. Every faith story has a journey. It's one step, it's one step, and then all of a sudden, one day, something happens where we're like, we hit our knees, and it's done. We're done Because we're, it's the Lord of the universe. Peter would say, he gave his life for you. You should follow him. You should follow him. It, you should have very, at very least take that next step. Step that's in front of you. So, this is how we're going to end. What's that next step? We use this phrase a lot, by the way, next steps in church, and it's on purpose. Like, what's the next step for you in your faith? It's different for all of us, probably. Some of them might be similar, but is it um, reconciliation with somebody? We call it pie eating, eating your piece of the pie. Every problem is like a pie. If we all eat our piece, it goes away. Something we say around here is is it reconciliation? It's, maybe it's been a couple years and you're like, better call this person, see if there's anything I can do to reconcile. Maybe you can't. But at least you're gonna try. Maybe that's the next step. Maybe it's honesty with something in your thought life, something with you've done in the past. Maybe it's maybe it's simply like, I'm gonna come, I, I, like, I'm gonna go to church more. I'm gonna go to church. Okay, I'm gonna go to church as much as I can. Maybe it's it's um, some, maybe some of you have been Christians for a long time, but you haven't done anything gritty li- recently. So it's something gritty. It's something sacrificial, giving sacrificially, serving in a way that's daring. It's, maybe it's doing something re- on the regular. It, for evergreen, people doing something on the regular basis like, "Oh, I don't know about that. Like every week, every week, every Tuesday, I have to be there. But yeah, maybe it's something like that. And you clear your schedule and you do it. It's baptism. Maybe it's, be, maybe it's becoming a Christian. Be like, I've never been on my knees and, and, and prayed to Jesus before. Maybe it's that. What is it for you? And the, 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 the frustrating yet super wonderful thing is we don't get to know what's on the other side of that decision. It's a faith decision. And, and maybe you've had enough information and you need to just take a step of faith. You don't know what hangs in the balance. What What if you say no what if peter said no that day we might not know his name we'd be reading about someone else but what if you said yes and you took that next step what would it mean to say yes to god what would it look like and what might happen in your story if he gets to write the next chapter by this step by that baby step I love love this stuff. I love what we get to do at church. We get to encourage one another towards faith. Um, (laughs) Our stories, honestly, our stories are not about fish tricks. That's not what we ultimately want. It's about the healing power of the cross and coming into contact with that. And living a life that's, that's fearless. Living a life where we don't have to be afraid because of our sin. And, and, and then we step out in faith in God's. If, if you want to know how people like of strong faith, again, from the outside looking in, it looks like they've just always been that way. It's not. They had baby steps. They started with information. They tried following, and then one day they believed, and that belief led to more steps, which led to more faith, which led to God intersecting with his faithfulness, which built their faith, and then another step, and another step. That's how they became giants. There's no other way. There's no substitute for it. And that's what I want for me. That's what I want for you. It's what I want for us. It's what I want for this room, for this place, for these people. What might happen? What's on the other side of that step? What's that step for you? Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. Thank you for your word, for its the honesty in your word, for the details, Lord, that tell us so much, that help us that help us see ourselves. Thank you for that, that. That's your grace. That we have experienced this morning in your Word, thank you for that. And I pray that you, Lord. I pray this prayer a lot, Lord. That you, um, that you would give us the each of us the wisdom to know what to do. And then you give us the courage to go and do it. And Lord, may we be people who on the other side of this life, uh, on the other side of eternal life, that we would be able to say, I took steps forward towards you. I was bold in following Jesus. And let our story of our faith journey be worth telling. Please, Lord, please, we ask this all in your name. Amen. Amen. What we're going to do next we're going to stand, we're going to sing one song, and then we're going to take communion together. And then we'll sing another song and it'll be done for today. So let's stand and sing.